<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey folks, it's Matt Zachary and welcome to Vax On, a weekly segment of my podcast Out of Patience right here on the Offscript Media Network. Hey, I'm Alora Nanos. I'm a lawyer, a journalist, a mom of a teenage narcoleptic, and a professional big mouth. Lou and I go back 30 years as best friends, and we're here to have fun and bring you a layperson's guide to what the hell just happened this week in healthcare as America gets its vax on and shows COVID the door. Matt gets me. He knows I'm tired, annoyed, and sometimes pushed to the brink by the intense chaos of our lives right now. We're here together to learn, complain, and include you in the conversation. So join us on Twitter at VaxOnPod and share your stories and grievances using the hashtag VaxOn. Conspiracy theorists and haters shall be neutralized on site. All right, Matt, let's get at it. Hey, Matt, what's happening? I am on day 11 of No Incident at public school with my kids, and I'm dreading the shoe to drop any day now. Maybe it won't. Maybe they'll just be like, don't worry about it. Just keep on coming to school. Now, just picture every comedy movie ever where like the employee walks past the 341 days with no incident and then the sign drops off and it's like zero days with an incident. So your kids are in school and they're going every day and you're like on pins and needles for, you know, whether they'll still get to go. So in our school district, we have school only four days a week. And on Monday, everyone is remote. My daughter logs on on Monday. And she says to me, I think I don't have school today. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You, Of course you have school. And she says, no. So they posted in her Google Classroom, by the way, everybody's got today off. Randomly. What? With no warning. <laughs> Was it like Jersey Day or something? Not even the whole state. Not even the whole district. Just her school decided no school today. Can they do that? Apparently they can. They said they actually sent the kids an assignment that said... Um, it's teacher appreciation week. So if you write a letter that says how much you appreciate the teachers, nobody has to come to class today. That's a good plan. I guess the teachers just really needed a break. That was like hashtag teachers union. Like they just decided like we're not doing school today. We fucking had it. I mean, which was like nice, except those of us who work from home were, which is all of us, right? We're pretty much counting on our kids being tied up with, you know, school all day on Monday. And instead, the kids had nothing to do all day. Except harass and harangue the parents. And ask me for snacks, which is, you know, really exciting since I have no kitchen. My kitchen is being remodeled. So it's like asking for snacks, but I don't have snacks and I can't make a snack because we're in my kitchen. So I have to drive out and get a snack and it's with the snacks, snacks all day long with the snacks. And like, I'm glad the teachers had a day off because of course we appreciate them and they're working their asses off. But like, honestly, my snack, my snack situation is really suffering because Wait, of it. Wait, just say snack one more time. Snack. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> I think what the most depressing thing 
in terms of news that affects us as parents with kids in school is that no more snow days, no more snow days. Like someone should just like bring up the Charlie Brown Christmas theme with like a gunshot. Yeah. <laughs> what a want, want piece of news. Like not even the hope of a snow day. Like that's it. Right. We so figured out remote schooling. Yeah. No more snow days. Let me just say this though. There is, you know, I, I'm a silver lining kind of person. So there is a little bit of a silver lining, at least in my district for that, which is when we get snow days at the end of the school year, those days get added back onto the school year almost every time. Like, so in other words, we don't have snow days built into our schedule. So if we get a snow day where the kids miss school, they have to give back a day of either their spring break or their summer vacation. And oh. that. And it's super annoying because we all have like vacation plans during those times. And then at the last minute, you find out like, oh, we have to make up the snow day. Like rollover minutes for school. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I sort of feel like, are we really this down to the wire with schools? Like, I know that pretty much from Memorial Day on, the only thing my kids do in school is watch movies. So like, is it really necessary to do this? Well, like next week on Here's How We're Destroying Our Kids' Childhood, <laughs> de Blasio's like, oh, it's going to be sad. Like, go fuck yourself. Sad. <laughs> we had snow days. We built the boat. Hey, first of all, there was snow back then. There is really, Snow days mean different things in the climate world today. But yeah, there was a hurricane in the 80s. They shut the schools down for the first time in 40 years. They're like, what's this? Our house on a Wednesday? Oh, no. Do you remember being the kid, though, that like when I, when we were kids, there were plenty of days where there was a ton of snow, but they didn't close the schools and everyone I knew stayed home. But my parents were like, get your ass into school. If the school is open, you are going there. And I would go in with the five kids and sit in the auditorium and watch film strips. Well, my listeners may not know this, but my father taught at the high school I went to, not at my middle school or grade school. I would stay home if there were real snow days in the 80s. But if there was a snow day when you and I were in high school together... My dad would always go to work, and if he went to work, I went to school. I did not oh. have a snow day in high school. Yeah, so you got screwed on that, Totally huh? screwed. Thanks, Dad. I sort of loved snow days. My kids, like, of course, it's such a, you know, it's like such a gift. It's like a gift from above when you get a snow day that you weren't planning. And um, it's like sort of sad. But on the other hand, I will say this. I'm very happy to know that no teachers, no students, no administrators are going to be trekking their butts into school when it's a really dangerous day to travel outside. So, I mean, that's a good thing. It'll just be safer for everyone. And final thought, in what states does it still snow? This is really like for Idaho. <laughs> it's true. It like never snows. This is like anymore. Ontario, Canada kind of conversation. This is not a New York City. When was the last time it snowed in New York, like to the extent that it did anything worth anything? That's that's very true. I know that's a global warming situation. Where this is called, thanks New York City for making a rule that we're never going to need to utilize. They're just letting you know. Don't even dream of a snow day. True. It's time for some ads. Okay, Allura, what do we got next? So, okay, we need to have this very important discussion because I'm I'm conflicted, I'm torn, and I feel like I need you to walk me through this. Sexy, sultry, erotic patents. What's the deal? 
So the Biden administration is saying that it supports the idea of lifting patent protections for the vaccines. So in other words, the the pharmaceutical companies have developed the vaccines and they own the patents for the formula for the vaccine. And the Biden administration is saying that they support just opening it up so that they don't own it anymore and that it can be these, therefore, these vaccines would be able to be widely produced because it wouldn't be uh, intellectual property that's only owned by the manufacturers. Does that open up a Pandora's box of poor quality when these cassette tape copies of cassette tape copies of cassette tape company companies try to make vaccines? I really like that analogy. I have to tell you. <laughs> like it's an 80s you reference. Some, yeah, take tape something off the radio and then tape it again, tape it again. It, you know, possibly the uh, the CEO of Pfizer, he's warning, like, listen, if you open it up and we don't have the patent anymore, he says that what's going to happen is that there's going to become a worldwide race for the raw materials. So everyone will try to get the raw materials needed for the vaccines. And then the companies who initially created it are going to be like SOL and they're not going to be able to have enough of the stuff to make the vaccines. Yeah, I'm on the fence about this because, you know, we talk like in software open source, right? Mm -hmm. Open source means anyone has access to the code, do what you want with it. But then you get all sorts of shady, shoddy, shitty things versus, you know, the Apples and the Samsungs. I mean, Android itself is an open standard. Anyone can make anything with Android. Your product can be totally shitty or it could be a Samsung with really decent Android. Whereas Apple is a closed system and they can suck, but it's their fault. Thank you for making a tech analogy that just used all of my brain power to follow. <laughs> but yes, but yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that it is a good analogy because there's a lot of logic and sort of fairness concerns behind making formulas and intellectual property open and available to everyone. There's a lot of good that can come out of it. On the other hand, it does have the potential for potentially messing up quality, for creating other problems like too many competitors in the same market, thus making it very difficult for the right people to produce something. And when you're talking about a product that the whole world is relying on in a real life and death situation, you know, we want to make sure that it's done the right way. So I, where do you come out on this? What do you think? I mean, I feel like consolidating where you know there's efficacy and quality in manufacturing is the right way to go because then you're a guarantee that you know it works. Starting from scratch with a whole new company in the middle of nowhere with scraps from these – where's the quality assurance in, you know, quote, unquote, open sourcing and not patenting this? I mean, yeah, I think that that's a very real concern. On the other hand, you know, the transactional lawyer in me – likes to think that there must be some sort of midway solution on this. Like, isn't there a way that instead of just removing patent protection, can't the trade organizations convince, you know, the big pharmaceutical companies that make the vaccines to license it to reputable other companies that perhaps could just manufacture more in the correct way? Like, isn't there some midway between, hey, everyone can do this and no one can do it? You know, Back when I was a patent attorney, which was never, <laughs> I always said, whatever you said. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Queen doesn't let everyone sing its songs, but they do let Adam Lambert sing it because he's got a really good voice. Well, like, I mean, same it goes idea. back to like the cover band, right? Cover bands can be good. I mean, can be bad. You know, does Queen decide who gets to cover their music? No. Should they? Maybe. But they do get to decide. But that decision doesn't kill people. 
Exactly. Exactly. But I think that there is a way. I, I refuse to believe that there's no way that it can be done to open up availability of these patented, I guess they're formulas, and still do it in a way that's safely. Like there's got to be some way that it can be done. So is there an answer to this? They're suspending the patenting of this to do what? What is the other side of the equation that guarantees safety and efficacy if we're going beyond the bounds of the FDA in the United States? I mean, that's a good question. I don't think this isn't actually being done yet. The United States is saying that they support it. But I don't think that it's actually been lifted at this point because this is part of the World Trade Organization's position and other countries support it. We say we support it, but I don't think they've actually gone and made it happen yet. I mean, I could see the other side. Patenting something protects it and allows investors to care about it, incubate it, curate it, define it, have it be scalable, have it be investable. It makes a lot of sense. You're protecting something. But again, I can't conflate this directly to when they tried to patent a breast cancer gene, which you, I think you should not be able to patent a specific gene because then you decide as a private company who does and doesn't get your breast cancer cure. But at the same time, does self-limiting this to a patent create Hatfield, McCoy, Morlock, Eloy? You get the vaccine, but you get the shit of your vaccine. Yeah. I, look, I think that these concerns are really, really valid. I think it's not an easy answer. Um, I would love to say, you know, free market, and that's an easy answer. But it's, it's just not that simple. There's going to be good reasons to restrict patent protection. But there's going to be also some really valid concerns about what kind of domino effect it might have on the market, on healthcare, on all of us. You know, this is a situation that we kind of can't afford to be really wrong. So, I mean, I I think it's a story worth following. And it's one of those, it's one of those topics that we can't resolve. You and I can't resolve it, you know, today in a quick conversation. And I don't think, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of talking heads out there, you know, spouting whatever their expertise is. And I think it's one of those things that needs to be uh, thought about and considered from every possible angle. And my hope is that there's some sort of, uh, you know, compromise maybe that can be that can be had. All right. So we're going to agree to not disagree because we can't <laughs> agree because we don't want to not disagree. Lots of complicated things there, but I want to pivot to our next segment because I've been working so hard. <laughs> I've been punching my card. Eight hours for what? Oh, tell me what I got. You just killed me. Lou, You're I got absolutely- this feeling that something's just holding me down. I'll hit the ceiling or else I'll tear up this town. Why well, am I singing I- the lyrics to Footloose? Okay, so... The latest lawsuit over COVID restrictions is it's this brilliant lawsuit filed by a bride to be against the mayor of the District of Columbia. And the, the concept of it is, look, D.C. just it just recently instituted COVID regulations that bans dancing at weddings. And that's what I said. Dear Kevin it, Bacon, save us. <laughs> save us. In fact, The bride's complaint even referenced Footloose in the body of the document, saying this is exactly like Footloose. And what's weird about it is dancing is actually allowed in other contexts. Like there are dance classes that are allowed and Zumba classes and fitness classes. And dancing is allowed as an activity, just not at weddings. (laughs) WWKLD. What would Kenny Loggins do? I think he would let people dance. This is an interesting bout of creative lawyering going on because 
I'm guessing that the reason DC banned dancing specifically at weddings is because at weddings, people are often consuming alcohol, which means that they're kind of, they end up getting relaxed about things like wearing masks and stuff. So I bet you that that had something to do with the logic behind making this a wedding specific regulation. On the other hand, though, the bride claimed that this is actually a First Amendment abridgment, that dancing is a form of expression, like it's not just an activity, but it's an actual form of expression, and it has religious significance and emotional significance, and therefore regulating it has to conform to very strict constitutional standards. Her lawyers did a really great job pleading the case. We'll see what happens. So moral of the story, Mayor Muriel Bowser, she's got to cut loose. (laughs) <laughs> foot loose and kick off her Sunday shoes. Let's hear it for the boys. <laughs> Let's give the boys a hand. On that note, it's time for some ads. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we're back. All right, Lou, what do we got now? We have an update on what a shit show it is in Japan this week. So here's what's happening. Are you following the situation with the Olympics? I have not been paying attention to Japan. I'm still focused on the horror that's going on in India, which we talked about last week. Yeah, and it is still pretty bad over there in India. Uh, Japan, the story isn't so much the terrible numbers, although I think the numbers are pretty bad in Japan also. But what's going on with the Olympics So Japan was supposed to host the Summer Olympics last year, and it got pushed to this July and August. But it really sounds like they're not ready yet. Only less than 1% of the Japanese population is fully vaccinated. So because of that, people are protesting, saying we have to cancel the Olympics this summer because it's just not safe. There's not enough people who are vaccinated there. I would agree with that. Yes. And and it's Tokyo is still in a state of emergency. So how the hell can they possibly justify hosting the Olympics when the entire city is on lockdown and the whole country is doing pretty lousy with the vaccine? I mean, this is a larger commentary on how every country is its own island, right? It's its own culture. It's its own government. And yet 
here we are. And the U.S. is here now, and India is there now, Japan's there now, Israel's there now. Every country is its own planet. And it's yeah. insane to think here we are 16 months after the initial lockdown, and this is still a rampant thing. Is there any, without diving too deep down the rabbit hole, why they're still going through this? I have no idea. <laughs> I actually don't know. Do you have any idea? Why? I do not. I have no idea. Next what week's I, show, Japan. Yeah, I have no idea why things are so bad in Japan. And I'm guessing that uh, we did look this up because I was kind of trying to figure that out before we did the segment. Um, I, I'm guessing that it has something to do with the fact that the vaccines are being produced in the U.S. and they just basically dealt with our, our own population first and then started selling them to other places. And I guess Japan just wasn't on the short list. But I mean, it's very interesting when you think about it. Like if you told me that we were having the Summer Olympics here in the US, I would sort of feel like, all right, like everyone's going to have to take COVID precautions, but it probably would be okay. We have, you know, 50% of the adult population vaccinated. Japan has less than 1% vaccinated. So really, that's like saying, you know, what it was like here many months ago. And um, I, I mean, that just does not seem wise at all to me. And I'm reading here that in Japan, there's an online petition with more than 300,000 signatures for the country to cancel the Olympics. What is the reservation? Well, I imagine it's financial because the Olympics bring a ton of money to whatever city hosts it. So, I mean, that is a major thing to give up. Uh, not only that, but I imagine lots of planning has gone into this. And even though these Olympics were postponed from last year, you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of things that were already set into motion that to now stop it and not have it, that's going to create a whole other logistical problem. And that doesn't even begin to address the athletes and all of the people who are you know, who care so much about the Olympics. And who've been training for it. Yeah. I mean, who've been training for it. And I mean, this affects a lot of people. And when you think about how special the Olympics are and how much goes into, you know, making the Olympic team and getting there and training and getting ready, it's really denying these athletes and fans and everything, everyone, you know, such an opportunity. I, I know how I felt last year when our local swim club's swim championship was canceled. We were devastated for our kids. And obviously that was not anywhere near on the scale of the Olympics. So I can imagine the level of emotion and preparation and all of that that goes into this and what a huge disappointment it would be to not have it yet again. It's almost like right now is when we need the Olympics most. But I mean, it's one of those situations that we have to, you know, put safety before, I guess, what our hopes are for the event. I mean, I can't speak for the whole country of Japan or the world, of course, but can they do something like they did with Major League Baseball and sports in the U.S. where there's just no one there, but they're still competing? I mean, I would like to think so. I would like to think that there's some way to do it um, where maybe the athletes are vaccinated. I don't know, you know, the population of Japan might not be vaccinated, but I'm imagining that a lot of the athletes are probably vaccinated. So maybe there's a way they can do it. I mean, they they did it with other sports. They did it with the Super Bowl, right? Yes, the Super Bowl they did. was played in empty stadiums. I mean, every so. baseball game I see on television, and yes, I do on occasion watch baseball on television, has cardboard cutouts of people in the stands. Do you know, I went to the opera the other night and there were cardboard cutouts of people in the seats at the opera. That's hysterical. It was fabulous. Did they pipe in applause too? 
They did not, but they had the choir standing where we couldn't see them. So people were like positioned all over the concert hall. It was an outdoor venue and people were like positioned all over the place. So you never knew where the sound was coming from. All right. So Dear Japan, make it hybrid. No audience. We need the athletes. We need the hope. Dear Japan, talk to the MLB people. They'll yes. help you figure it out. Yeah. Learn from the NFL with the good things they do. Right. No concussions. Be no. careful. <laughs> no concussions, no domestic violence. Exactly. <laughs> take, take your cues accordingly. Okay. Wrapping up, some really good news today. And I mean today, as we're recording this Tuesday, the FDA has authorized Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine for adolescents 12 to 15. And Elua, that's your daughter. It will be her in August. So she'll get vaccinated before she gets to start the next school year. I'm so relieved and so happy about it. It's really amazing to see the difference that the vaccine makes. So my daughter, like most kids, is terrified of getting shots. She heard the news. She was someplace where they publicly said that that when she's 12, she can get the vaccine. And she actually said, oh, I hope I can go the day after my birthday. And I mean, to me, this was amazing that instead of being afraid of getting a shot, she really understands, even as a kid, what a difference it will make in her life. And she can't wait to get it. Do you have any hesitancy whatsoever as a mother that this vaccine is, they'll say safe and effective, right? This is not an anti-vaxxing conversation. But do you think in the ether of conversation that will be out there, no doubt, this week and next week and the following, that the same dose that goes to an 80-year-old man should be the same dose that goes to a 12-year-old girl. Let me say this about medicines and doses and all that. I have no idea how this stuff is supposed to work. And I generally, as a mother, I'm afraid of everything <laughs> to do with my children. I'm afraid when they get in a car. I'm afraid when they drink Kool-Aid. I'm afraid when they get vaccinated. I'm afraid about everything because that's what you do as a parent. You just fear nonstop. So I'm no more afraid of the vaccine than I am of anything else. And I sort of have, you know, I have a lot of faith in the doctors who say this is the right way to do it. Um, and also my daughter is, she's 12 uh, or almost 12, and she's almost the size of an, you know, a small adult. So I don't particularly have any fear about that. And in my mind, I've basically said, the professionals have figured this out. They say it's okay. I trust the medical industry and that's the way I live my life. And that's, allowing me to not have major reservations about this. So yeah. that's my thought process. I, I don't know that it's any better than anybody else's. I think parenting is a nonstop trade-off of risk and reward, no matter what you're doing. Agreed. And my kids are 11. They just turned 11. They can't get this till it's approved for younger ages. But rest assured, the day it's approved, we will get them vaccinated as soon as possible. Same, same. Can't wait to have those play dates and sleepovers again. Yes. And if anything matters to the fact that we're going to finally get our kids vaccinated, it's to be able to create these school mandates to keep them open all the time. Yeah. Even on snow days. <laughs> Except for fucking snow days. Way to bring it home, Allura. <laughs> I'm bringing it home. <laughs> all right. Well, this concludes this episode of Vax On. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening and get your dancing shoes on. Let's hear it for the boys. Thank you, Kevin Bacon. Good night. That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, the conversation continues on Twitter at VaxonPod. That's V-A-X-O-N pod. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your friends to listen. Vaxon is a product of Offscript Media. 
Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. Our senior producers are Brianna Seeley and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by Brianna Seeley. Our theme music is by Chair Model. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com.